0: Welcome to the Grappling Discourse podcast. I'm your host Matt Scaff and today's episode features my good buddy Julian Marquez. Julian currently fights for the UFC. He has the best knockout in Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series history. And is coming off an injury and he's ready to make his return to the UFC middleweight division. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this interview. Please sit back. And as always, I hope you enjoy. Hi, Julian. Welcome to the Grappling Discourse Podcast. It's an honor to have you here, brother. And just starting this off, how did you get into martial arts?
1: Man, martial arts uh, was kind of one of those things that was, I I don't want to say it was in my blood, but like we grew up watching all these. Amazing like Jean-Claude Van Damme films and Mortal Kombat and boxing. And so like our family was always around this action-packed like uh, visual type of deal. Like every time we would get on TV, there was some sort of action-packed deal or um, episode or series or movie or fight always on there, had big gatherings. So it just kind of like I grew up wanting to have that feeling. But I also was, at the same time, a kid that was super shy and wasn't outgoing. Mm -hmm. So when I, like, I didn't have the type of confidence I have now. Like, back then, you could probably punk me out super easy. You know, I'm a kid, you know. Like, I was shy to talk to women. Guys would sit there and, like, get big chests. Give me your candy bar or something. And i just cower away. You know, I wasn't like that. So my dad was like, hey, we're going to put you in wrestling. Say, you're gonna, you're going to love wrestling, you're going to do this. At the time, the only sport I ever did was track. And it kind of was, I just needed sports. He saw how well I was doing in, in life outside of it, and confidence were building through running. And he was like, well, maybe we should put him into wrestling. So he called my wrestling coach up, who happened to be my teacher when I was a kid, and was like, hey, got the details and put me inside of wrestling. And the moment I went into wrestling my competitive side in me started to come out and it started the investment of just wrestling and and going through that grind and putting myself in that almost like torture, you know? Mm. Wrestling is torture, but I, I thrived in that. And it also helped build confidence in myself knowing that I can go this deep down and just grind to the point where it hurts But I could still keep going and made my outside life start doing better and that wrestling started leading into you know uh it led into college and helped me out with college and then I left college and I didn't have that and then one day a wrestling buddy of mine gave me a phone call and was like hey yo these people want wrestlers to come and fight for them you're coming with me I'm picking you up right now legitimately showed up at my house picked me up drove to the nearest MMA gym I was beating up their heavyweight contender and the rest is just history just fell back in love with it
0: and so you have this void you're missing that competition that had given you so much what was that time like
1: I was I wouldn't say I was lost but like I just didn't know what to do Mm -hmm. you know it wasn't I wasn't fulfilled I felt like I felt like a a puppy that was just walking around aimlessly with no, with no goal, with no idea where he's gonna go, just walking as a stray. And I would just go to work and show back up to the gym, and this is like a weightlifting gym, Snap Fitness at the time. Like you didn't even have free weights. Let's be honest, it was all machines. So I'm working at a machine place. I, I had nothing was free. I felt tied down. I felt like I was doing the same thing over and over, and it just. I started to almost, I wouldn't say depressed, but I was getting sad because I just didn't have, I didn't have the excitement in my life. I didn't have something to look forward to. I wasn't like, oh man, like I'm super stoked to go get a desk job. I'm so happy to go sit there behind a desk working six hours a day, growing gray hairs and hating life and coming home to maybe a family and going to sleep, waking up, that was literally what I my, was going through my mind as I was showing up to work, going to, going back to school just to find something to get interesting. And uh, when I went to, man, when I went to that first gym class, that first MMA practice, and I had people come up to me that were high level in the UFC today, you know, telling me things at that time were like, wow, you have a future in this. This is something like There's something different about you. It made that feeling just so exciting. And it was like, I have a goal. I have something to look forward to.
0: And it literally kind of paved the way of my life since that day. So first day, you have already a background in wrestling. So you come in and you do um, surprisingly well. Started to get a lot of good feedback. When did you first realize that, man, I can really become a professional fighter? This is something that I can do.
1: You know, it's crazy. Most people would like be like, okay, I'm going to the gym and I'm fighting. I'm out there. I'm going to beat people up. Well, this is the reason why I went to the gym. When I went to the gym, I told them the very first day, they were like, hey, man, you ever considered fighting? I was like, yeah. And they're like, hey, let's get you in there. I told them I don't want to fight until a year after training. So it, I legitimately went in there and I trained and did everything and just absorbed the martial arts. Before I went into a fight, so I had it was actually five months. They ended up uh, You know talking to like, hey you need to do this blah 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 and I Legit was just focusing on training and getting better and diving into everything every aspect from striking taekwondo wrestling jiu-jitsu um, Just regular grappling Not grappling with no submissions like every Every aspect you can possibly get into, I was trying to dive in deep to find out if this was for me. And the more I dove in, the more people I started going to, like, going to start training with. I was bringing in more stuff, coming in outside of times that normally were, you know, normally training sessions where meet people, you know, two hours before the training session or would stay, you know, an hour and a half later, just doing all sorts of technique, trying new things. I mean, we were even doing YouTube at the time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is before everyone started posting on YouTube. So we're finding like Chuck Liddell videos or Randy Couture videos and like how to do flying arm bars and we're practicing this stuff. You know what I mean? Like we're watching it, but when I started realizing all that was when I realized that after four months of me going in there and I was training six hours a day, I would literally leave my jobs. When I leave a job, I'd go straight to practice, then I'd go back home, go eat, go to my next job, leave that job, and go into practice, and literally just, it was almost like if I wasn't at work or if I wasn't at school, I would be at the gym, you know, and sometimes I wouldn't even eat. So, like, I dove in so deep that I realized, like, as I, my my potential started growing and diving in deep and me taking on all these different kinds of people that have been doing it for years and I've only had five months and I'm at their level. I realized like, Hey, I have a huge promising for this. And I was like, okay, we're ready to go. And then at that time, my team bought me everything. When I needed everything, they bought me shin guards, gloves, mm-hmm. um, shin guards, gloves, headgear, mouthpiece, and everything you need to. They had it all in a bag. And they're like, here, we're preparing you for a fight. And no, this whole time I did this, I didn't tell my dad. My dad didn't oh, know I was training. Okay. My dad didn't know I was training. Because like, I, I almost felt ashamed until they're like, hey, you've been doing this. And I came home with that bag. Because you can't hide this duffel bag full of stuff. So I came home. My dad was on the computer. He just got off work. And he was just... He always questioned why I had, you know, black eyes every now and again or like bumps and bruises, but you know, it was like, oh we're just wrestling. Cause he knew I still wrestled. You know, I still went and helped out the high schools. But I gave my dad the bag and I was like, hey man, I've been training for this for the X amount of month. And then my dad was sitting there like, What? So we had like a long conversation. He was like, Why'd you hide it from me? Literally to this day we don't know why. But anyways, it was just like you know, I wanted to make sure. And when I had the moment I gave it to my dad and explained to him what it was. My dad's like, okay. My dad literally turned to his computer and went straight in to research everything. Um, he researched everything to the point where my dad dove in and now he's a ref in Kansas City, a real big judge actually. He's a huge judge, started refereeing, He's a well-known judge in Kansas City, he does all the Invicta fights, things like that. Like,
0: oh, We okay. both
1: kind of got into it together and my dad, we've always watched it. Like I said, when we were growing up, like it was UFC One, we watched them all. Tate Abbott was our favorite fighter when, we were a kid, when I was a kid, and my dad's favorite fighter, because he's just a wild one. But yeah, when we dove in, we dove in it together. So if I wasn't able to figure out what was going on with like training or anything like that, like if I had, couldn't find a move, or I couldn't figure something out, or I couldn't find a strength conditioning program, or I couldn't find a, uh, a striking coach or anything, my dad was so invested into it that he found all these different people to help put them and put me through it and got advice from them and he he legitimately helped pave my way to go there. And once we got these high end boxers and high end, you know, jujitsu practitioners and everything all together in it, like everything just started lifting up
0: more and more. So I probably felt like this was like destiny almost like everything was starting to fall into place and you're going on this journey with your dad i mean not a lot of guys have that support i mean that must have been a lot to you yeah dude it was
1: it was huge my like my dad growing up was everything you know what i mean like he's the guy that you know had my brother and i you know my brother when he was 18 me when he was 20 you know he went to college my mom you know they both were they both were struggling they're not We're not the most richest people in the world, but the thing is they worked hard to make sure we had everything we possibly could have and have a bright future. They busted their butt and tail to make sure we had that, and they built themselves up to the point where they can support us in our dreams, and it helped us out. Now, no, I'm not saying that they didn't struggle in the time, but they sacrificed a lot. So whenever, and I've always known that, so... Whenever we both jumped into this together, I realized, like, I felt that's the only support I need. And my mom, the same way. Like, she was was Mm -hmm. alongside me the whole time. So, that's all I need. I didn't care if my friends said, you couldn't make it. Because I'll tell you right now, if you were to vote, and all the people, and they even said this after I made it into the UFC, everything like that. They all said they never would have imagined I would have been there. Out of all the people that I was there in the Dynasty era of wrestling, the school we went to, out of all the people that tried it, out of all the people that did it, I wasn't a thought in their mind that would have ever been to where I am to this day. They still, to this day, talk about it. And this is all the people back home. And at the end of the day, all I needed was my parents and my family to support me because I I refused to listen
0: to everybody else. Dude, amen. Beautifully put. And so... You have that first fight. It's five months into training, but again, you've got years of wrestling behind you. What was that first fight like? How was it different than competing in wrestling? So, in wrestling, man, like, it's so weird. You know, you go to
1: wrestle. You wrestle every single day. You're, you're wrestling. It's season start. You go out there. You're on the mat. Whistle blows. You have six minutes. You're ready to go. You're out. You know what I mean? Like, no harm, no foul. There's not, like you can get some matches, but you're not gonna swing at each other. You're not potentially trying to, you know, overextend a ligament to damage a career or break a uh, bone. You're in this thing, like you're just touching a leg, and taking it down. You get a takedown too. You can let him back up, and you'll be okay. So knowing that, and fighting, you're like this dude's trying to punch my head off, and you create these things. Like in wrestling, you don't create like. Cool guy takes you down. You're not afraid to get taken down after a while, you know. Even in practice, when you get taken down over and over, you're not afraid of a single leg. You're not afraid of, you know, getting hip tossed. You've landed on the mat hundreds of times, you know. But the thought of having someone punch you at a hundred percent force is the most scariest thing. The thought of someone punching you in the face, regardless, most people can't, you know fathom most people can't see you know you're telling me like hey you're about to fight this guy on this day at this time you're about to fight another guy that's looking to rip your head off the amount of nerves that you have during that time unreal you're sitting there creating all these possibilities what if this guy does this what if this guy does that and you create this dude to become a giant by the way it's not like you're thinking like oh this guy is the same weight as me. You're looking at yourself like you, regardless how what you weigh, you're subtracting 230 pounds, even if you're 100 pounds, you're subtracting all that weight and making yourself feel super small. Mm-hmm. And you're giving all that weight to that person when you get these thoughts. So it's like you're dreaming, you know, like when you're in the middle of a fight in a dream and you go to punch somebody and like you hit them and they don't move, and they just laugh at your punch, and you don't have any strength. You ever had that dream at all? Oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah. That's how you're envisioning your first fight. You're thinking that you're gonna land a punch on this guy, and he's gonna look at you, and laugh, like he's like some character out of a, a, a action game or you know an arcade game, just ha ha ha, and then just hit you, and you're gonna fly off. Like that's literally what goes through your head. And then you walk out there, your nerves are skyrocketed to the point where You don't know if you're gonna throw up or if you're gonna pass out. You play your music, you walk out, and you have all these fans, which when you're in wrestling, you have all these fans watching, but they're not random people. You know, they're your friends' moms or your people in school, things like that, but now go to a fight and you have pitch black room, you don't see anybody, or you don't see, like people you know, you just see all these different faces, be 1200 different people in there not 1200 people show up to a wrestling match and if we're talking about a tournament and they are there you're going out there with multiple different people so it just takes the eyes on you but now you're at the last you're the only person out there you're the last person out there you know what i mean you're you're it every all eyes are on you so you walk out there you're freaking out you give your corner a hug and you sit there and they're pepping you up they're telling you hey man like you got this this is your time man just get in there and be yourself, do you, you'll you'll be amazing, come on, they're smiling at you like they know the outcome already, and you're still stuck at the moment, and the moment you turn around, and the ref starts touching you, you you're you listening to your music, you're feeling all that adrenaline, you're feeling everything go, the ref's sitting there telling you, touching, making sure you hit your, your cup, making sure your nails are clipped, making sure You know, your mouthpiece is in, he touches your armpits, make sure you have no Vaseline, and he sends you in. And the moment he turns you to go walk in the cage, life melts away. Nothing, not a worry in your mind. You're so hyper-focused, you're so dotted in. All the thoughts that you had prior to that moment, all those doubts, all those little things that you sat there and created to this person to become like, the largest human you'll ever go against is nothing. And you walk in there and then realize this guy doesn't know what's about to happen. And you sit there and you stare at him and that energy goes across the cage and that guy can feel what you're feeling. And then that guy gets scared. That guy is more scared of me than I was of him just 10 seconds ago before I walked in the cage He's feeling that, and he realized that I'm in there because I'm ready. I'm in there because I'm walking out of this cage as a winner, at any cost. And the bell rang, and then 12 seconds into the fight, it stopped because after the first couple punches, he tapped because uh, it was just way too powerful. Is what he told me afterwards. You know, like I hit him, and he fell back into the cage, and he just I just kept hitting him. I didn't stop punching just kept hitting him and he tapped against the cage and the rest stopped it. And then afterwards he told me it was like That's the hardest I've ever been hit. And I'm sitting there thinking just a couple days ago, I'm punching this dude and he's not even going to move and he's going to blow my head off. But then I hit him and I did exactly what I thought he was going to do to me, but I did that to him. And it was like, yeah, that was probably like the coolest feeling in the world. But at the same time it was the most, unsatisfying feeling in the world because it only lasted 12 seconds.
0: You know, Mm, so it left you longing. Like you wanted, you wanted a deeper experience. Yeah, but you want more those victories. There's something about a victory,
1: a solo victory in a fight that cannot be explained Hmm. unless you've been in the fight. That feeling that you get right after your hand gets raised or after the, the ref stops something or after, you know, you just look at a person and you knew you won, and you feel like you want and you get the satisfaction of hand raising all those hours all those times all those minutes all those tears all that blood all that sweat everything that you put into is is just solidified in clarity because you won. you know like it was worth all of it and then you walk around like your chest is two inches bigger like your thoughts are You know, two times faster. Like your your aura is ten times stronger, and you just draw and attract people, and just you you feel the most confident person in the world. You could walk in and talk to the president and negotiate some sort of crazy shit that would get him to say yes. Like that's that's the feeling that you have. Like, you you're not gonna say no to me. You know what I mean? Like that is how the win feels, and how that right there is addicting, because you want more. And that's what happened right after that. I wanted, I asked for another, fight. I said, I need another fight. 12 seconds is not, that is not what I, like if it was a knockout, one punch knockout, we'd be cool, but the dude tapped.
0: He tapped It felt like games,
1: he kind of you know? cheated you then, right? Yeah, yeah. He cheated me in my monthly preparations.
0: And so your next fight, what was your amateur career like, I should say? How many amateur fights did you have? And after that first one, um, did a lot of them go first-round finishes? Oh, man, there was a lot of... So, this is how my amateur career
1: went. I didn't really fight in Kansas City, which I'm originally from. Kansas City, Missouri. Middle of the map. Part of America. Yeah, so... I'm um, just letting you know that. Alabama. Okay. Middle <laughs> of the map. Okay, I got gotcha. you. So, this is the thing. And it's Missouri. But anyways... Um. The my career right the next fight I fought in Nebraska, and no my my family's been to every wrestling tournament I have ever been to. When I went to state, my family drove all the way out to state. When I was in college, my family went to every tournament. Like I'm telling you, my family's always there. So when I fought and I had my first fight, my dad, sh- my dad didn't show up to Nebraska. You know he didn't f- drive out there. They were just busy. Everybody was. You know doing a thing so I was out there solo I went out to Nebraska fought a guy that was 1-0 and I was 1-0 and at the time or he might have been 2-0 and I don't know we had a, a bell rings we go out there and I finished him I think under a minute um, it was a really terrible terribly placed guillotine we talked about this earlier but it was a terribly placed guillotine it should have never tapped him but he tapped and it was because Again, like I said, you can feel the other person's energy across the cage. And if you're not equal to that energy and it bounces up, like Tony Ferguson looking at Gaethje, their energy at the beginning of the, the very first round, they matched. But you can see whenever the, the energy is mm. off when someone else is big brothering and totally makes someone look not what they were. So, for instance, as amazing as Charles Rose is, when he went against Doug Nasty, Doug Nasty's energy was completely different than Charles Rosa, and Charles couldn't match that energy, that intensity. So Charles Rosa didn't perform to the full capabilities of what he truly has. He didn't show it in that fight, but he was able to. Or, but Thug Nasty, you know, uh, Brett Mitchell was able to do everything he wanted because he controlled the energy. He controlled that, that aura. He, he had that presence that changed and altered that. So that's exactly where we're at in my second fight. I changed it. That's why I that got tapped to something that should never have been tapped. Um, the position was so terrible. Anyways, third fight, um, I fought another guy. We uh, came back to Kansas City. Fought a guy in this really bow dunk bar. Um, I, couldn't, I don't know his name, but I fought him. Ended up TKOing. Um, I'm pretty sure he had shit stains on his... Yeah, on his uh, pants. It was actually super disgusting. And TKO'd him in, in under a minute. And then I was just unsatisfied. Or no, I wasn't
0: unsatisfied. I was super cocky and arrogant. You know, dude, I'm on top of the world. I feel like a badass. I imagine that that is the case for any talented amateur. A guy that comes out there, starches, starts starching his opponents that early on. What was it like having that ego and being that arrogant that early? It caught me. It came up and caught me. I was
1: arrogant and and I'm I'm fighting, these are the things like, you know, at the time they're putting me up with people that are good, but they're not at my level good. Like I am saying, like I was training with, at the time there was UFC fighters in our city that I was training with, um, or WC fighters, a high level people that, you know, have high names right now. And they, I was training with them, competing with them, going with them. So like the experience of getting that, fighting them every day and training with them every day, it put me ahead of the bunch of the people that were kind of just doing this for fun. So it was more to build my confidence, but it built my confidence. I let it build itself to to overpower. Like, I started not caring. And reality hit. You know, on my fourth fight, uh, fourth fight, reality hit hard. Uh, my teammate beat a guy, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to beat him because I can beat my teammate. You know what I mean? The MMA man. That never works. And I was sitting there like, dude, I was drinking, you know, I was drinking beer. I was sitting there um, smoking marijuana, things like that. And I'm like, dude, I'm 21, by the way. You know when I'm talking about this, I'm 21 when this fight happens. So again, I just turned 21. I'm ready to party, ready to go after it, ready to do my thing. And I'm like, this guy's not going to do anything to me, blah, blah, blah. I go out there. Old boy hits me with a wild shot. Like, I didn't train as hard as I could've. I didn't take it as serious. And hit me with a wild shot and I got flash drop. So when you get hit, you fall to the ground. You ever seen those guys that hit the ground and pop back up? Mm-hmm. So I got flash drop. I got hit and I got dropped. And I like, I fell straight down and landed on my hands. And then the, uh well I landed like off to the side, one butt cheek on the ground, one hand on the ground. And the guy was coming in to like throw a punch, and I saw him, and I'm ready to drop my head to go wrestle. And the ref pushed him and stopped me. And I looked up at the ref, like, I didn't know what happened from point A to point B, by the way. I don't know how I got, how I fell. But I was ready and I was aware to like try to go for the shot. The ref stopped it. And then the ref was like, oh man, I'm sorry, I thought you were knocked out, this, that, and the other. It was a flash knockout. But I lost. And at that point, at the TKO, that's all that matters. I lost, they don't check the comment box, they're not gonna look at it. So I was like, I had to prove something to myself. So I went deep into it. I got into, went back into training and I was training like a maniac. I left one job to go hard and hard and train hard. And got to a point where the people that I was training with that had the big status names at the time, they were telling me like, you need to calm down because when we were training, it was like, I had something to prove. I went even harder on them but they were better than me so I'd take a lot of damage but they didn't want to spar me anymore they did not want to grapple because I'm hitting them too hard and they're like this is practice yeah you know what I mean this mm-hmm. isn't like we're not trying to go in for a fight so they had to sit there and talk to me down and you know I took a little bit I went out ventured out find a boxing coach Marcos Ramirez is his name amazing boxer worked with him did a whole bunch of stuff went with a uh, jujitsu guy named Aaron Darrow and his uh his team We, we sat there and just trained all day every day all night and just did a whole bunch of different stuff my cardio was on point and I called out the number one guy look I'm three and one at the time and I call a guy out that's 11 and 0 all right 11 and 0 and I went after him I said I'm taking him out they booked the Because no one wanted to fight that guy, so I called him out. I'm like ready to go and everyone thought that I was gonna lose Everyone was like this guy has no shot Even my own teammates were telling me because I did it all against their will They're like, yeah, you're not gonna do good. You're gonna you're gonna lose. We don't want you and they like kind of started talking to me like You're not with us anymore So I was like, okay, so I just did my own thing went on my own stuff got the boxing coaches got the the jiu-jitsu where I needed to did my thing went out there First round of that fight, man. First round of that fight, I landed a uh, first round of fight. I landed a jab, and he just snapped his head back, and he was. You see him wake up and realize. But let me rewind this back. When we stood across the cage, I was so nervous. And remember, when I said energies. Mm-hmm. I was looking at him. I was like, I thought in my head, and I looked at him. I was like, well, this got time to prove something. Literally, what I was going through, I had time to prove it. Fuck it, we're going out there and we're doing it. Went out there, snapped his head out with a jab, and he's a D1 wrestler, high level guy, really, really good. And this guy was like, the moment I hit him, he realized he doesn't want to stand with me. But D1 wrestling works. But I wasn't. I was a good wrestler, but I'm a good striker to where I kept him from wanting to go in. So we had to stand up. We had a transition and I was landing some great shots. I landed a head kick and he was shocked. Everybody was shocked at the time. You could hear the fans just kind of, ooh, land it, boom, hit him, do all my thing. And uh, towards the end of the round, he shot a, a takedown and he got on top of me, but he didn't do anything with it, he just held it. And as an amateur, all I could do was just pity pat punch. And it got to the point where we did the jujitsu, and I was like, okay, let me try what we learned. I put my foot on his hip and I slid back and I was able to get my butt down into the ground. And he had his hands behind my waist. And where I realized that I was a tank was the moment that I was like, okay. And I just stood up with him literally on me, in my lap, everything like this. I just stood straight up and stood up with him and he had a body lock and I just ripped it off. And this again, this is a D1 wrestler that had no jujitsu, just striking and wrestling and then he realized, oh, sh- I, we have a problem. Bell rings, think he dropped me back down, I stood back up with him the same exact way, and the bell rings, we're going to the second round. I've never been in the second round, it's my fourth fight. He's been in the third round many times, he's had 11 fights. Comes at me, takes me out, or not takes me out, sorry. Comes at me in the second round, he comes in, I go to throw a punch, he went underneath it, and then he got a double leg, took me down and, again, held me down, and I couldn't get out of this one. This one was just a weird situation, so I bellied down, went to my knees, he put his leg in and rode me, and the entire second round he just rode. He didn't do anything, didn't try anything. The entire second round just rode, and then I ended up, uh, and, the, you know, they're three-minute rounds, so, like, entire minute and a half he just stayed on top of me and just hugged me. And then he tried to punch me, and the moment he tried to punch me, I shimmied his body off, got on top of him, ended up getting my legs in, and then being on top of him, and had the position where he was spread out. All I needed to do was sit there and just punch, and the ref would have stopped it. But he hooked both of my gloves on the inside, so my hands were stuck underneath his, they are stuck underneath his uh, his chest, and I kept yelling at the ref, like, I can't get my arms out, he's, he's hooking my gloves and you could see scratch marks at the end of the fight of him just where the gloves should be covering. Round's over, I had finished on top, I thought it was 1-1. Never been to the third round. Third round, he comes out and he sprints across the tape. The moment the bell rings, I'm going to walk, he runs fast sprint, cracks me, boom, nose breaks. Cracks me, goes for the takedown, sits on top of me, gets my back, and we're sitting there. I'm exhausted, I'm tired, I've never been here fight goes on, he's trying to put a rear naked choke. I keep pulling it off, keep picking it off, doing all this stuff, and it's just like the whole third round, I just kept swimming. Just constantly drowning in water, pulling it off, trying to move it, doing all this stuff. The next thing you know, I just gave up, I was done. Seven seconds remaining, five seconds I think, remaining in the third round. I would've lost a fight, but I wouldn't have been finished. I just, I just gave up. And at that point, I just took the guy that everybody feared from Kansas City and took his took him three rounds and gave up I gave up took him three rounds and no one thought I would ever be able to do that everyone thought I was gonna be finished in the first round and I sat there and I did more damage to him throughout the fight if it wasn't for him holding on to me I wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been the same had I had two more fights experience he would have been done three more fights experience he would have been done he hadn't fought He stopped fighting after that fight. That was a point where they realized if he continued fighting, he'd have to fight me again, and he didn't want to take that risk. And uh, he ended up, uh, he quit fighting or whatever. So then I just kept pursuing it. And then the next thing you know, I left Kansas City. I didn't, any fight that I had was all outside of Kansas City. I won belts in different places. I had 12 fights and I left there, went to all these different promotions, all these different states and took on their top guys. And during that time, Kansas City was rising up when MMA, MMA started getting a little bit more and more. There was more gyms popping up and uh, more managers and promoters and everybody's hyping up all these fights. And then they had all these fighters, these 205 pound fighters, because at the time I fought that. And they're all up and coming. There's a kid that was at the time 10 and 0. Everyone's like, there's no one that's gonna beat him." this that, and the other, but no one knew who I was. Because I didn't find in Kansas City. Why everybody else is getting all the love and it's growing? I'm finding in different states. And then uh, it was funny because they hit you with this this thing like they set out. Someone said um, this guy has no one to take, and this guy no one can beat this guy this time and the other. And then I commented on him and I was like, I'll take him out. And they were like, Who are you? You know what I mean? They, then, I, then the moment I said that, everyone's like, who's this guy? So then they started hyping this up, trying to sit there and get us to fight. And all these fighters were calling me out. They were like, dude, you ain't nobody, no one knows who you are, You've, you haven't fought. The last time you fought was, um, you know, the time that I fought this guy, my, my fourth fight, and uh, my fourth amateur fight. No, this time when I called him out, I already had another five fights. Six fights, actually, I had another six fights. And everybody's just sitting there like you like who are you blah, blah blah but the thing is is i was taking out the best out of every other state that was around missouri and again we ended up going there um this promoter saw me fight in nebraska against the best in nebraska at the time and it was a promoter for the guys that he has in kansas city and he goes all right he goes uh We'll see what Julian does in this fight. He drove out to Nebraska to watch this fight, and it was a it was a victory it was victory um, fight card VSC. And I tell you, there's four thousand people in the stands. I'm an amateur. Four thousand people in the stands. The headline was Joe Wilk and uh, and Jake Ellenberger's uh, brother Joe Ellenberger. So it was a huge fight. And I go out there and I starch this guy in the first. I want to say 40 seconds. Oh, wow. Starts this guy. He's the number one in Nebraska at the weight class. The entire facility was quiet. You could hear crickets. But you could hear my family somewhere in the crowd screaming. But you could hear crickets. And then as I like left the cage, I saw that promoter that drove all the way up. And he goes, holy shit. He goes, you're better than I thought. Straight to my face. And I said, Okay. I was like, I'll see your guy when I get back home. We went back home, man. And, uh, dude, it was, it was great. Went back home. He's like, all right. And he was trying to build the fight up. He goes, we're going to put the number one. We'll, we'll give up the title for the number one, uh, champion, the number one champion in Kansas city or the, the region. So he had the title for the region and he would never defend it. He had the title for Kansas city. Cause I didn't give a shit. Who cares about a medal? You know what I mean? Like, You can hold it, but we all know who's the real one. The guy that's fighting everyone outside of the states, not just the same people in the city that you've beat many times, padded record, whatever. So the kid, uh, so they, they, they hype up this thing and they told me that they're like, all right, you gotta beat this guy in order to take on our guy. I said, okay. I was like, I'll play that game. You want me to make a contender? No, no one's seen me fight in Kansas City. So I was, like, I was like, okay, well, uh, when's this guy going to fight? And he was like, in six months. I said, I'm not waiting that long. He goes, all right, we'll do it in four months. I said, I'm not waiting that long. He goes, uh, we, we can't fight until four months. I said, okay, we'll I'm gonna fight another guy. So I fought another guy, came back to Kansas City, fought another guy. His name's Lance Lee, and he, he's a kickboxer, everything. I starched him at another minute. And then everybody, like, even the, the opponent, that guy, that their number one guy in Kansas City, was looking in the stands watching me. He came for my fight. I was the main event in the amateur side. He came. His whole team was there watching me. It was like something out of, like, the movies. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The, the wrestling movies where they're standing up there and they realize, okay, and they all got up and left. After I won, they all got up and left. They didn't finish watching the fight. They were there to see me perform. And after I won, I looked up at him and I just pointed at him, Just to let him know. see you and uh, the next fight they finally give me that the contender fight I beat the living shit out of this kid beat the living shit out of him and then knocked him out the first three minutes there were everyone was just shocked it was non-stop action and it was just me punching him sweeping him throwing him hitting him everything but elbows I hit him with everything and he was wobbled and he was trying to do jiu-jitsu he was trying to do everything but I mean, if we ever did jiu with him now, I'm just telling you, I love the guy. The guy's amazing. We're not going to say his name. He's an amazing dude. Cool dude. If we ever did jiu now, he would sub me out in a heartbeat. The guy's, been, the guy's gone all over the world to train. But at the time, he was a blue belt. And he wasn't invested into jiu-jitsu as he was into fighting. But I, I altered his path after that fight. And he became a really, really good jiu guy. But he, uh, man, he, I, I beat the living crap out of him. And then in the, the beginning of the second round, I knocked him out. Like literally five, six seconds into the second round, just slip and then overhand right, and he just dropped. And, uh, again, I looked over at his, his team because they were there in the stands. I looked at him and nodded. And then all of a sudden, they're like, hey, let's go. Um, finally, like we have nowhere to go. Kid's 11-0 at this time. I uh, was 8-2. I was like, all right, let's go. Then I go out there, fight comes around I go out there and I take on this kid and we go out there and everyone's again telling me like, you're going to get knocked out. He's going to get this. I was like, he doesn't know, you know, they're like, he's a, he's a college wrestler. He's great at this. He's great at that. You know, he's taking out this high level striker. He's taking out this high level grappler. He's taking just all over these people. You know what I mean? And, uh, I was like, I'm going to break him and end his career. And this is like reports. Like, I'm telling him, this is how I'm saying I'm I'm going to break him, and then he's never going to fight again. <laughs> we went out there. We had a hard first round. I mean, he had some good skills that he did. I had some skills that I was doing. But, like, when he hit me, it was, it. you, you see the hit. You know what I mean? He hit me. But when I hit him, I moved him. He threw a knee. It hit me. When I threw a knee, I took stuff from him. You could see it. If you watch the video today, you could see that there was just more explosion, more power that I was hitting him with. And we had a tough first round, and again, it was three minutes. So we're not talking about five, and I went all out on him. But the thing is, like I said, in wrestling, and where I found myself was the fact that I can go into this dark place, into this grind, and come out. Not a lot of people can go in there. So when we started the second round, he was absolute dog tired and I wasn't cause I knew how to go deep into that. And I took him into my world and the second round comes out and I just lit him up. There's nothing he can do. He wasn't as fast. He wasn't as quick. It wasn't a cardio. He didn't have heart. He didn't have power. He had nothing. And he tried to take me down. I threw him off me, got on top of him and he went into a turtle position. I was trying to go for the rear naked choke. My corner's like, just keep punching. So I got up and just kept laying down punches, and everything was wild. And I took out the 11 0 guy in literally, it was uh, in the second round, it took me 40 something seconds into the second round. Took him out, finished him, and he's never fought since. I did exactly that. I broke his will, and I made him not ever fight again. I'm not proud of that, but. I did what I said I could do. Then they tried to tell me I needed to take another fight. I took another fight against a guy and I have one of the like biggest highlight reels in Kansas City. I kicked the dude, he fell to the ground, and then I just Miley Cyrus I came in like a wrecking ball. I walked out to that song, it goes right when it's popping, where he fell to the ground on all fours, and I put my hand on his head, and instead of kicking his head, I brought my knee all the way to the sky and just came across and threw my knee into his rib, and I broke his rib, hit him right in the liver, took out his breath, and hit him so hard that he flipped to the other side. And as he landed, I was going to drop another knee, and he tapped out, he got taken off the stretcher. I was, it was, they should have never put him in there. But again, that was, uh, that's how my amateur career went. And it was just, I was nonstop. I was training the whole time, and it led into, hey, you're not, no one wanted to fight me in Kansas City. No one wanted to fight me in amateur. Everyone's like, we're not taking this to
0: your pick. Even in pro, not at all. So it was a huge blessing having that arrogance come so early. Yeah, really got to learn absolutely. that, okay, just cause I win a few fights, it doesn't mean that I can slack on my training, right? Mm-hmm. And so your amateur career is ending though on this high note again. You're on this eight, nine fight, win streak, and I'm sure people are in here going, dude, nobody wants to fight you. You've got to go pro. So what was that like, transitioning from amateur? And then how did you make it to the UFC? You know, what, what was that journey from? From, Dude, you're the man in Kansas City now. You've shut everyone up. Everyone knows it. You're ending dude's careers. Yeah. What's the journey then from ending that amateur career to first UFC fight? Man, it was, it was, it was, it was not that hard
1: to transition from amateur pro, because there's a, there's, it's really not a fine, there's really not a fine line that, de, that deciphers like anything from a good amateur and a great pro. They're really that close. Like, it, it doesn't matter. Some amateurs out there could probably beat some of these pros, these beginning pros. Like it's, it's good. It's just experience is what defines it, you know, knowledge. And uh, I, like, if we go into experience and understanding experience, You just look at the Glover Teixeira fight that happened versus Anthony Smith. Experience won that fight. The commentators would want him to stop going for submission with a rear naked choke and to keep punching, but experience, he knew what was going to happen because he could have punched his arms out, anything. Experience won that fight. So with that in mind, the experience is what differs between a good amateur and a good pro. And that's it. Like I said, so when I went to, uh, when I did my first pro fight, it was, um, I I don't really remember my first, oh, I do remember my first pro. I was sitting there like, man, I can't, I haven't thought about it so long. I was hyped up, I was excited, and I went out there and they had a kid that had a couple pro fights and, you know, this time, like, I knew I was ready to take on big name pros. Like, but they brought, they built me up. So I went out there, I fought this guy um, at the same venue. And no, during my amateur career, I never fought in the same venue twice until the last, till my life, that big fight that I had, that big fight in, um, against the top contender, top uh, amateur title holder, whatever. Never fought, I was always moving. And then my first pro fight happened to be in the same fight venue that I lost to that, that first time I gave up. So I was in the same temple, same area. So that brought back feelings. But I went in there, and again, the same thing, when I went into that, I ended up starching. I starched the guy so bad that he didn't get knocked out, but his corner threw in the flag. Mm -hmm. They were just like, Woo And then my second pro fight was probably the worst experience of my life. So during this time, my second pro fight, man, I. I had nine fights before I got my second pro fight. I had nine fights that I was scheduled to go and people would back out and fall out and move oh away man. and quit. And then, you know, I had some things happen. Um, I had some things happen with family members. I, you know, I lost my mom during that time. And so I just, everything was just down. But I still trained, I still did my thing, still showed up to the gym and still kept training. And then I had my second fight. A year after my first fight, just about, I starched the guy. Tougher, but I starched him. Boom, done. And then back to the same thing, no one wants a third fight, no one wants a third fight. People were canceling, people were stepping away, people were quitting on the scale, people, we never got to the fight. And then Bellator called and was like, hey, we got a fight, you know? After all this stuff, we have a fight, you're gonna do this fought for Bellator at that point in time I was like look I've been training for all this time I'm ready to go at it you know my third fight was almost two years after my first fight wow so I was just like man so I was I had something to prove I didn't care I didn't care about the victory I legit went out there and just turned it into a battle I went out there and threw everything that I had I sat there and just became an animal you know I took punches I was moving. Every time I hit this guy, he flew back. But the problem is, you know, I made it to a brawl. I could have, could I have wrestled him because he had no wrestling game and won? Absolutely. But did I choose to do that? No. I went out there and tried to beat him at his game. He was a uh, boxer, or he was a tie fighter, kickboxer. And to me, at the end of the fight, I beat him. The referees or the judges are the ones that gave him the fight. But to me, at the end of the fight, Nothing he did, nothing he hit me with hurt me. Nothing he did, anything like that. And I stood up with a guy that has been taking all these people out. And I stood up with a guy to later find out that he had some enhancements during that fight. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I, I did that and I hurt him more than he hurt me. So I was just like, yeah, okay. So that's when I realized, here we are. Picked my things up, went to Las Vegas, started racking out fights, ba 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 ba, taking them out. One fight led to the Matt Hamill fight. The Matt Hamill fight uh, at Cabana's America, knocked him out, and led to LFA. LFA knockout led to contender series. The contender series knockout led to the UFC, and that's how it went through. I was never supposed to be where I was at. Had I been in Kansas City, I never would have been where I was at. Had I not lost that third fight, and literally picked up my thing two weeks later after I got home, picked up all my stuff and left to Las Vegas to go pursue this full time, I would i never I wouldn't have been where I'm at.
0: So it sounds like what made you the two most important things in your career has been the support from your family and the chances you took on yourself when yeah. everyone doubted against you or doubted you. Yeah. So how important that obviously is a fighter, you know, having those two pillars behind you, you know, your ability to, as a fighter, hey, I'm gonna take this chance, I'm going to, I'm not gonna stay in a small town, because how many guys do you know stay in a small town? They stay in that pool to make themselves feel like they're the man. Big fish in a little pond. How important is it to be uncomfortable? Because that's what taking a chance is, right?
1: Is making yourself uncomfortable. Yeah, man, if we can relate it to any type of thing, and since we're on the grappling discord, a lot of grapplers are sitting here, you don't, you don't get better if you don't go against people that are better than you. You don't get better if you're getting, not getting beat up. You know, the only way to learn how to get out of side guard is if you're putting the side control over and over and over and over and over again and go through people that are way better than you and then you develop something. You get better by definition. If you're sitting there and all you do is roll with a black belt, all you do is roll with a black belt for four years and you learn, you learn that black belt's movement, his feeling, by definition, no matter what, he is going to bring you up to his level of rolling, because you're gonna understand a lot more. Your technique might not be great, I mean, you might not ever sub him out, but by definition, he's gonna build you up to his potential, because you are his main training partner. And then when you go with somebody that's less, even though you are a lower belt, that, being uncomfortable when you go with someone less, you're going to murder them. Or you're going to go against other black belts, and you're going to show them something. They're going to look at you like, wow, you're actually really, really good. But it was because you put yourself in a position where you were uncomfortable. You were getting beat up every day. You went from getting submitted 10 times a round to submitted 9, to submitted 8, to submitted 4, to submitted 2, to being able to last an entire round without getting submitted against this black belt. And then you go through it, and then the next step is you don't even get submitted, but you get one escape. Where you broke out of one move, and he got you with a different move. It's just like those little things, that definition is going to build you regardless if you constantly put mat time, like you said. Or you put time in, you have to go against something that's going to be pushing you down to where you're going to be drowning. And you, by definition, will become better. And that's what it was. That's what took me out there, being financially struggling, working at a terrible job, being somewhere with you no—I know, couldn't walk across the street and go to my, you know, uncle's house, or I couldn't call someone and say, "Hey, come get me," because I don't—you don't live here. I had no family members there. I put myself in a position to where I would—I'm on my own. I had to learn how to survive, and it worked out very well for me.
0: And that's just, that's a beautiful story. And so you get that call from the UFC. What was it like, that conversation with your dad? You know, you guys have been, started watching UFC 1 together all the way up, and he's been your biggest supporter. What was that like? That must have just been a beautiful moment. Dude, he was shocked. I was shocked. I was like, hey man, dude, so, so,
1: so, uh, I was like, I just got called to be on this show. It's called Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series. And we're not allowed to tell anybody, so keep this between us. If they want me to fight at 185. I said, "This guy." He goes, "What?" I said, like, "Yeah. If you know, you win, you get a contract." And that's all we know. We didn't know. We thought it's like, at the time, we thought like, you know, anybody that wins, you get the contract. again like every single person, they have five fights a night. That's five contracts every night. We didn't know it was like a gamble. So as like little, little at the time, like we're we're sitting there, we're both excited. We're like, "Holy shit!" Like, we're going all in. Man, dude, it was it was insane. We were just sitting there and just like... My dad was researching this guy, finding all the stuff that he possibly could. He was talking to people. He was calling, you know, calling people without giving out the information, trying to find out more about it. And slowly, during time in the Contender Series, they started airing out little details about the this, this show. You know what I mean? Little, little details. And people were like, okay, well, all right, all right, all right. Um... Okay, so they, they, this, this is how the platform's gonna work. This is where they're gonna do it. Okay, this is when they're gonna, they didn't tell you who was fighting. All these reporters are trying to make phone calls to teens and everything. They're getting like little hears to say, hey man, I heard you're fighting on Tuesday night contention And we're not supposed to tell anybody. The people that got exposed that they were fighting, they were telling people. And then other people were, you know, given that. So they had these matchups, but we didn't tell anybody. I wasn't supposed to My opponent ended up telling somebody. But I didn't say a damn thing. People would call me. I News mean, reporters would call me. Boost Protest would call my dad. Like, hey man, we heard your son I'd be like, no, my son's not fighting at all. Like, what are you talking about? What is this? Like my dad would act dumb. I would act dumb. Yeah, dude, and and so they kind of then we kind of like hear that, like, okay, he's only picking. Like, you gotta you gotta impress the bosses and get a contract. So once we did that, I had a conversation with my dad and I was like fuck that I'm not I'm not fighting like that dad's like what do you mean and I was like no fuck that he's like you're telling me that I have to go out there and I have to impress them for me to get a contract I was like no fuck that I'm going out there I'm going to win I'll knock this guy out but I'm not going to go there to fight for them I'm like fuck this contract I legit told him that he's like what I was like yeah dude fuck that Like, we're going to go out there and I'm going to perform but I'm not going to change my, my, who I am to try to impress somebody it's like I was like, Dad, would you do that if you're a kid and you're going to a girl? Would you try to impress her to get her to be with you? He's like, no. I'm like, then why the fuck would I impress these guys? So I was like, nah, fuck that. Legitimately, and I went there. Um, They announced my fight after DC and uh, John Jones' second fight. He gets a knockout. Right after the knockout, they pop in the Contender Series, and you see my face, and then everybody's like, what Julian's on it? Even dude, reporters are pissed. I was like, I, did, I lied to him, and everybody's like, "What?" And I'm sitting there at Top Golf cutting weight. By the way, that was Saturday. Weigh-ins are on Monday. You know what I mean? And uh, dude, we like, we I sat there and I'm at Top Golf watching the fights, and the bar's loaded up, and people know me and they know I'm training. They're just curious why I wasn't drinking or anything, and all of a sudden you see my face pop up and like everyone at the bar just like kind of like leaned forward and looked over at me and i looked up and i was like kind of in awe like i'm on i'm on tv i'm on fox right now my face is plastered on fox and there's 12 you know big giant tv screens right in front and it's my face and everyone at the bar that's been looking at me throughout the whole fight night leans up and looks at me like i literally look up and then i look down i see Everyone look at me like, that's you, and I was just like, oh shit, and that's when shit hit me. I was like, oh shit, you know, like, oh, that's me, you know, like now I can tell everybody. And the next couple of days were just everyone was calling me. We went out there, had that amazing performance, that 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 one that you'll never ever get again. There's no feeling that I'd ever matched that performance, um, because it was just, you weren't supposed to win. You're the biggest underdog. You get a knockout, a vicious knockout in front of the bosses, in front of the people that make the decision, that pay the bills, that tell you if you're in or out. You get a knockout so vicious that literally, like, they freaked out. And to this moment, they still, and all ESPN and everything, their reaction to my kick is what, their reaction to my kick is what they use to advertise the. Contender Series because no one can mimic how they felt at that moment, how shocked they were. Because that, it was, it was nasty. The nastiest KO in all of Contender, history. Contender Series history, no matter what anyone says, no one did it like I did. And at that time, I just remember I was calm. I thought, my thing, I sat down, but my dad lost his shit. You know what I mean? My dad was his shit. They had videos in, my dad. It's a big old boy. At the time, he was a big old boy. He box jumped 28 inches, like the side of the cage. He jumped up on the side of the cage. Like, there's a platform that you go onto, and then there's a cage. And it's like, dude, it has to be at least 36 inches off the ground. Maybe 32. But my dad's a big old boy. And he just exploded out. Jumped up on the cage side. And literally... (laughs) We talk about it all the time because he, he jacked his knee up by jumping up on that. But he was so excited that he freaked out because at that moment, everyone knew that I was getting a contract. And at that moment, it was just, life was just like, wow. To see that seven years ago, six years ago, at the time, yeah, six or seven years ago at the time, we were sitting there talking to each other and I confessed that, I'm starting MMA and this is what we're going to do now had planned out to be what we watched 10 years or 20 years prior, you know, even, you know, sat there and watched all these pride tournaments and everything and watched all these films on TV and watched just all this action star and all the meetings that our family would get together to watch Delahoya versus uh, Mayweather or watch Tyson versus Holyfield, all these gatherings that we had are now at that moment are now going to start being Julian Marquez. They're going to watch their family member compete on this TV. They're going to have gatherings to sit around to watch this action based upon their own family member. And that right there, it was a connection that it was just wow. It was destined. That moment was, this is who I am, this is where I want to be, and it all brought itself back.
0: And so, best performance in contenders uh, series history, which is a remarkable thing on its own. When your first UFC fight and then the second fight happens. You yeah. have that horrific, um, you know, lat injury where the lat rips off the bone. Yeah. So, I've always wondered what it would be like to be in a cage fighting another top professional with a horrific injury like that. What's going through your mind when you feel that? Like, wow, what happened? And... and, and you must have just been so proud that you finished the fight the way you did. You know, and, yeah. you, and some people thought you won that fight. Absolutely. That's the thing
1: is that it didn't matter. There's no, when I said energy at the beginning of the fight, um, and I talked about that at the beginning of this, is that you match that energy, man. Like, it does not matter what happens. I am going to win at whatever happens. At right, whatever cause, anything that I could possibly do, I'm going to win. I'm not giving up, and it's the same mentality. Again, we can flash back to Glover Teixeira. A lot of Glover Teixeira and Anthony Smith that fight. A lot of people were saying, "Cancel that fight. You need to throw the flag. In. You need to stop." That's them. He needs to quit. He's giving up. That's the thing. I understand it because no matter what happens in there, I am going to fight until the ref stops the fight. Or until I'm asleep, you know, or until something breaks. And something broke, but it wasn't the ref didn't stop the fight. So I was like, alright, champions adjust. Let's go out there and let's keep doing what we're doing. And I just I kept going, knowing that I got more and more confident in the fight, knowing that anytime I'd hit this guy with my messed up arm, he would run away. He was doing all he could to get away. He didn't wanna he didn't want to be there. And it just shows me now even more that had I had two arms, he wouldn't have been he wouldn't have been able to do what he needed to do. He wouldn't he still couldn't do anything. He he took me down, I come more sweeped him, got on top of him, put my legs in and got super high. I didn't have the strength, went for an arm bar on top, didn't have the strength to grab a hold of his own arm to pull it. So I had to grab my other arm and do that and I fall out, I get on uh, internal position, I stand up with him, I turn around, I grab his head and I grab my right arm where it's wrapped around his head and I hold it for a tight clinch because I can't pull my arm in because your lat-, lat muscle involves anything inward pulling or downward pulling. So I couldn't grab it so I had to grab my own wrist that's wrapped around his head with my arm and I'd use it to do a clinch. I'd pinch the back of his head, between my bicep and my forearm. And I use that to squeeze his head so I could do a tie clinch because I couldn't pull anything in. And then we have photos of it. There's photos of, at uh, that fight there's photos, it's funny because you, it's not funny at all, it sucked actually. But there's, there's photos man, like of me throwing a punch and you see the lat is severed. And then on top of it, you hear commentators like, oh, you know, Julian's been kicked too much in the side, he's turning red. And the redness is in my lat. And it was because my lat ripped off and it was bleeding in my skin. <laughs> like, it's pretty intense. And then after I was done, I was, I didn't care that I lost. I knew I won the fight, but it's like, you can't go against the judges. No one's gonna check the comment box. No one's gonna look at it. And it doesn't, I don't sit there and walk around like, oh man, I'm, I'm not nothing. I'm terrible, this, it didn't bother me. Who cares? They forgot about it. They forgot about that fight. That fight's not gonna be talked about. We're talking about it now, but in the retrospect, after I come back and you know, dominate the whole entire middleweight division, no one's gonna talk about that fight.
0: And so what's the recovery process been like? Past two years, you know, it was a horrific injury. You know, and you said the doctor said it was the worst lat tear he's ever seen. Correct. And, and so how how have you handled that mentally and what have you done to prepare yourself for a comeback? Man to for me to try to say that, like that
1: fight that that fight against the injury, the fight that I have mentally that I won multiple times, did not. Every morning was a battle. Some mornings the injury won, some mornings the injury lost. You know, and it was just it was a roller coaster ride for eighteen months, non stop going in, going out, finding new things, discovering new stuff. No one knew what was going on. It was a battle. But at the end of it, this is who I am, this is where I want to be. And I kept pushing forward. I kept going after it. Regardless when the doctor told me that I may not fight again, I made sure that I could keep on going. And time always heals all wounds, as they say, the most cliche thing. And one day time just decided to click on the right dot and the earth was aligned with the sun and the moon. and. It allowed this shoulder to drop and do what it needed to do and it went back, you know, everything went back to the same performance, everything went back to, I was able to move it, I was able to lift it over my head without any injury, without any pain, without any struggle. Um, It was starting to flow and glide and it was starting to get strength back where, you know, the 18 months before it was frozen and locked up and it it was like a piece of chicken that you left in the freezer for too long and... You're trying to pull the the leg off, but it's still frozen in there and it can't go. And you might get a little bit of it, even though you're not doing this, you might get a little bit of the leg off, but it's still it's a, it took a lot of energy to move it. And then it just thawed out. And then it started going there. And then I was able to go back to training. My my original doctor was like, Oh my god, amazing, it's great news and you know, my therapist, uh physical therapist at the time was was shocked himself and he was He was just he was shocked and stoked and happy and you know i spent hours lots of hours inside of the therapy going literally i would go three to four times a week for 18 months being in there so the moment everything slipped through and started moving good and started doing what it needed to do everyone in the therapy room even people you know i mean people that were in that therapy room that had injuries themselves were cheering me on, like as if I was like in an AA meeting, and I finally hit my year mark or something, and you know everyone's supporting me. Everyone's been there, like these random people that I've only seen when we go in there, and we're all in pain doing physical therapy on something of our body. They look at you and they just they're excited for you. So like we watched this dude for, he's been here longer than I've been here, and he's he's finally out. 18 months, you know, like everyone, doctors, everybody's just happy. And then we got hit with a the pandemic. <laughs> then we got hit with a pandemic. Like, what's going on? You know what I mean? Like, and it's, it's like, could it have been the best thing that happened to me? I will say, yes, it did. The injury is the best thing that ever happened to me because I would never be who I am today if I didn't. Mm-hmm. I never look at the game as I, as I did back then. I have more experience. I have more knowledge. I have more understanding of how I need to control myself and what I need to think about. I'm always learning. And now that we got a pandemic happen, it's helping me get back into it without anybody saying, hey, you need to fight today. It's like, hey man, the whole entire country shut down. You know, the whole entire I mean almost the world pretty much. Mm We can't fight anywhere. So no one can sit there and be like, hey man, you know, why aren't you fighting? It's like, well, the world's not fighting. So, and during that time, I, I capitalized on that pandemic to get myself educated in many different martial arts, many different um, styles, get my cardio back up, get my body back up, get my strength back up, and really test this arm to where it wouldn't injure me. And it's been a blessing.
0: And so you see yourself, you feel like you're stronger than ever mentally and physically right now. This is the best Julian uh, Marquez that, that the world's seen. Man. You can look
1: back six months ago and say that's the best Julian Marquez the world sees. I don't look or care what they think about me, but I look and care about beating myself yesterday, Mm -hmm. beating myself 10 minutes ago. So when I sit there and say the cliche term of I'm in the best shape of my life, I'm never in the best shape of my life. I'm never going to commit to that saying because I could always be better. I could always be more fit. I can always be more strong. I can always be more technical. There's always that. So for me to claim that it's the best shape of my life or the best, nah, not at all. Nowhere near it. Nowhere near it. That that cup of water will never be full. So this is for right now. Julian Marquez on this day is the best he's going to be today. And he's 1% better than yesterday. Mm. And 2% better
0: than two days ago. And that's how I look at it. And so, you would give that advice to any martial artist. Is that's the mindset during an injury, because that is the hardest part. And it's almost like you can't achieve anything in any sport without a horrific injury. Have to have one. All the <laughs> champions have had one, because it teaches you something mentally about yourself. Yeah, man. It
1: just—you'll see people that get injured, and they alter their whole entire existence. They alter their whole entire life. They switch it they forget who they once were, they forget who they are. They lose themselves and they create, they go down this, this deep path where they have to try to find themselves again. Sometimes they lose themselves forever. You see many fighters and you hear many stories of great fighters that been injured or something happened and they went down a path that you're just like, damn man, that sucks. I remember waking up you know, on a Saturday morning getting pumped to watch this fighter perform or this athlete run or this athlete you know to, to wrestle and you're like dang that sucks but it, it happens and the thing is is that we have to face adversity I wouldn't say injury I'd say adversity and you know because you do get injured and it all depends on severity and it's all relative because a, a sprained ankle to a sprinter is going to be way worse than uh, you know a sprained ankle to a wrestler you see, so it's all relative on what it is and what it, it stops you but when you're in those times it's about your thought process and controlling who you are controlling how you think and if you always look at the negative in that situation you'll go down a path that could resort to alcohol, drug, abuse anything, resort, resort to something where you're trying to find an escape from that thought but if you don't keep yourself busy and don't constantly thinking that you're gonna be back, then you will not be
0: who you wanna be. Beautiful, man. And last thing, so, an assault on the middleweight division is what's next. Absolutely. And so, one or two fights this year, is that kinda of what you're hoping for? It all depends on how we go, but honestly, if I could fight
1: every single day, I would. You know, I spent two years, practically, not being able to compete. And during those two years, I watched the time go by I felt like I was stuck in a spot watching everybody go by I saw people get you know contracts and I saw people lose their contracts you know and during those times one thing I did pay attention to was the fact that how I felt when I couldn't train to know that when I'm tired of training today that I look back and like that's what it was like not training so it motivates me every day and I'm like hey let's go so me, I want to fight every week. I want to fight in every weight class. I want to get as many fights as I possibly can in the next couple of years and bust these out to be like, wow, this guy's fought 15 times in two years. What's going on? Wouldn't ever happen, but you know what I mean? Like, I want to sit there and fight, fight, fight. So this year, if I can get two fights, I'm in. If I can get three fights, let's go. If I can get five fights, call me up, you know? It's just one of those processes that, during this pandemic, things are gonna be a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, They're gonna be a lot, they're gonna be very different when it comes to this pandemic because people have been pushed, cards have been pushed, things have to be put back together, life and society has to be put back together and there's not a lot of people that are going to be doing the fight game right now. They're gonna be focusing on, some fighters aren't financially put together, so some fighters aren't going to be fighting or they're going to try to fight and they're not going to be all in it. So it's it's a really weird path of what the future holds right now. But if they call me up and tell me I'm ready to fight tomorrow, let's go. As long as everything, money's
0: right and everything because I'm not going to pick up my stuff to go fight tomorrow. You know? Unless <laughs> it's right. Amen. Hell yeah, dude. It's been a pleasure having you here this week. Um, just just know that you have fans in Alabama now. We were rooting for you and we're really behind you, brother. So anything you need, just let us know and we're there for you. Thank you for having me out here and teaching me some cool tricks. I love it. Likewise, brother.
1: Yeah. Hey,